0: Y'all sound good. Amen. Come sit on the front row every once in a while. You get to hear everybody else sing. You sound amazing. And God deserves our singing. Amen. Deserves our worship and praise. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah. This will be our last uh, sermon in Nehemiah for a little while, at least. And as we continue to ask and answer the question, what is important to you that's important to God? What will you do and who will it influence? Uh, I want to uh, tell you that that outreach is important to God, and the church coming together to do that is important to God. And I just want to thank you for how you contributed to Trunk or Treat. Uh, Wednesday night, there was 6.7 million people here. And uh, (laughs) the best we can tell, there was around 3,500 to maybe maybe 4,000. Around 3,500 is what we're looking at. So amen, yeah, amen. We had... uh, started at six o'clock we had people standing in line at five and um, and so all of you that either did a trunk or or gave candy or volunteered your time uh, it, it takes a, a lot of people to pull that off and so thank you to each and every one of you. I also want you to know that your staff works really really hard uh, to get us all going in the same direction and uh, they do they show up and they stay late and um, I'm grateful for them the team that God's put together as far as our leadership here at Lindsay Lane. I'm thankful for you because uh, so many people contributed uh, to to the, again, if if we believe that, that outreach is, is casting the line, if we're fishers of men, this is just a cast, right? And so it was a cast on Wednesday night to about 3,500 people, and so I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank you in advance for serving at Hope for Athens. I know that's coming up this uh, weekend, and we'll be praying over that this week, and you'll see more information coming out about that, but uh, I, I look forward to uh, continuing to serve the community together with you for the glory of God and the good of man and just wanted to say a word of thanks. I want to, uh, as, you, as you turn to Nehemiah, I want to pray for us and then we're going to jump right in here. Lord, I am grateful today for your word. I thank you, oh God, for bringing us all back to center. Uh, Lord, I thank you for Sundays. Lord, where you have given us this time to remember all of who you are and all of what you've done. And Lord, I pray that you would minister to each one of our needs. Spirit of God, preside over this place and guide us into all truth. Lord, for we need that today. Tell us the truth, O Lord. And I pray, God, that we would line up with you. And Lord, I pray that we would also experience your grace as we're trying. Lord, I thank you once again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for the blood of Christ that covers our sins. Lord, we have sang a, a song today. For you and pray, God, that we would continue to sing to you with our lives, Lord, in the week to come. Lord, help us now as we understand and uh, learn your word, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the last week uh, or last month, we've been casting vision for the church. We've been asking that question, what's important to you? That's important to God. Today, we're going to talk about fear, fighting, and faith. Fear, fighting, and faith. And I want to invite you before with a message to consider the altar call. Because as we talk about things that we're afraid of, as we talk about things we are fighting for, as we talk about exhibiting faith as, as Christians, I want you to know that this altar is a place where you are invited to come and talk to the Lord. And you don't have to come and talk to the Lord on your knees, but there's something special about getting before God and not worrying about people and putting your cares before the Lord, for He cares for you. And I want you to invite, the, invite you to the altar now before we actually ever get to the message Because we'll give an invitation at the end that will invite you to pray, but also invite you to respond to what God is calling us to do. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says, Then as I looked over the situation, and this is Nehemiah, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Yeah. Nehemiah, a led by the Lord leader, leading to protect and keep in purpose the people of God, looked over a situation and got a sense of what they were accomplishing, but also what they were up against. And the situation that's the word that the Bible uses the situation is this there is an enemy. And because there is an enemy, there is an intimidation from all sides. There is a real threat. But y'all listen to me. As we read in Nehemiah chapter 4, up until that point, there's been a threat and there's been an enemy, but there has been no attack. So what they're fighting against at this point is fear. They're fighting against that fear, that dread that is pressing in on their minds, pressing in towards the city, but nothing has even happened yet. It's just them fighting against the emotion that something could. One pastor and leader that I often listen to says that a leader needs at least one idea per year that scares him to death. And that's something, isn't it? Why in the world would you do that? And I think it's because practically we usually tend to think less than we ought to when we are backed by Almighty God. We, we tend to lower our thoughts of what could be. And this is practically advised because when we think big enough to scare us, we have to exhibit faith. And to do otherwise would mean that we could operate all the time within our strength. So we set the bar only this high because we know that we can control it up to this point. To think above that would mean that we would have to trust God. Fear always seems... To be attached, and I mean it's Halloween, we've got to talk about fear a little, amen? But this is where the scripture leads. Fear always seems to be attached to something bigger than what is within our control. This is why we have basset hounds and don't ride Brahma bulls, right? Like this is the reason that, that we, we do that and have these kinds of pets at home because one is within our control and the other is not. And when you get within that which is out of your control, you're going to have to exhibit faith over fear. And accomplishing anything that is important to God will require faith. Will require faith. I I guarantee you faith is important to God because without faith it's impossible to please Him, the Bible says. So... Accomplishing something important to God requires faith because it is bigger than us. It is out of our control. I want you to think now, and as I'm learning our church, still learning our church, this is what I know. There are a lot of people here that are on the grind for the glory of God. Serious business. In their individual daily lives, they want to please the Lord or they are using what they have strategically for the glory of God. And I want to ask you, what is it that you personally are doing strategically for the glory of God and the good of man? What is it that you are thinking about within your own scope of gifting and talents that you would use for God's glory? Because whenever something is important to you that is important to God, it's going to be bigger than what you can pull off in and of yourself. So it's going to require faith. And as a church, as we think corporately, as we think about raising up 15 first-time short-term missionaries as we think about new works in the community that will change the scope and lives of families as the gospel gets to people that may not hear it otherwise within the work that we're already doing. As we think about diversity of fellowship and the challenge to that and all these things, these are not things that we can make happen in our own strength. Do you know why? Because we can't work inside the hearts of people. That's God's job. The Spirit of God guides into all truth. The Spirit of God guides us away from ourselves as it convicts us of our sin and that we need God. And so as we think about our personal goals, as we think about the goals of this church, what's important to us that's important to God will require faith. And because we're going to have to trust God, we're going to have to deal with fear. We're going to have to deal with that emotion of dread. That emotion, that something bad is going to happen. That it's never going to work out. That this is going to put it to a stop. And if you try to do anything for the glory of God and even for the good of others, there's going to be that because when it requires faith, you're going to have to deal with fear. Because faith takes it out of your control. We love living there, don't we? We love living in that place where we can't do a thing about it I've heard Brother Dusty say before, we've prayed similar prayers, that God, if you don't do something at this moment, we're sunk. Boy, that's a, that's a great place to be in ministry, isn't it? The truth is, is it kind of is. Because you're relying upon God to do something that you can't do, and guess what? At the end of that, who gets the glory? Only God. Because when people say thank you, we say it wasn't us, because we sure couldn't pull that off. But anytime you want to do something great for God, you've got to deal with fear because you're factoring in faith. And God's people here are building a wall to protect themselves, but also to protect the purpose that God designed through his people to be a blessing to the world that would come through Jesus. And they felt they could control that probably until there was opposition. Once there is opposition, once there is a people against, now it seems to be outside of their control. Y'all know how sometimes I do this. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would preside over us and stir the hearts of our people. God, help us to listen as you're talking today in Jesus' name. Amen. There were people groups and leaders that, that ridiculed the people of God. Some of you are facing ridicule. Ridicule is when someone dismisses you even though you're serious, they don't think you're serious. And they mock you to the point of where what you're doing is not going to last. Or the new leaf you've turned over is going to turn back over. Or the things you're trying to accomplish will never be accomplished. That's ridicule. And this is frustrating because at the end of ridicule, sometimes in our flesh, we begin to think, well, maybe they're right. I read the following this week. Most great principles have at a point in their history when they are believed in by one and ridiculed by the rest. That's good. The same opposing people that would ridicule them, and we saw those two guys at the beginning that ridicule them throughout. They're not about doing anything. They're about talking about something, but their people are behind them, and this opposition to them that was in fact just ridicule at the beginning, they actually began to plan to harm them. They were putting together plans so that they would oppose the city to the point of where this wall would not be built because if the wall is built, then God is real and influence is going, and so there's a plan to come against And they wanted the people of God to be confused. In fact, they wanted them to quit. This was the source of fear for the people. I think it's important for you and for me to identify what it is that's actually scaring you. What is it that's causing you to go off track? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that when you try to walk that narrow line that is the standard of God, that you're going to step off every once in a while, that you're going to be weak? Well, welcome to the club. That's why you need the grace of God. Are, are you scared that you don't know enough? Again, welcome in. There's people here that have been reading the Bible long enough, or longer than I've been alive. And yet God's called me to be the pastor. You don't think that plays into my mind every once in a while? You don't think when you bring me questions that I don't know the answer to, that I've got to act like I know the answer to? You don't think fear plays in? When we are trying to accomplish what's important to God, there will be fear. And step one of that is just identifying what it is that's shaking you, what it is that's throwing you off course to what God is wanting you to do. Nehemiah, this led of the Lord leader, says to God's people, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't fear. That's what the leader said. Moses did the very same thing before. Moses did the very same thing as the people of God pursued the promises of God, the promised land. They were to have a new leader in Joshua. It was about to change hands. It was the will of God for the people to continue in advance. And because it was the will of God, it was opposed by man apart from God. That will always be. Whatever is the will of God will be opposed by those that are apart from God. And so Moses said in Deuteronomy 31.6 to the people, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You see, God has said and done this before. This whole do not fear thing, God's put out there, that out there a lot over the years. Still saying it to his people in the church today. God has delivered on his promise to take care of his people. And now, Nehemiah, at this point in the history of God's people, is saying it again. Now, listen to what be not afraid, if that's what your version says. Listen to what be not afraid actually refers to. It morally means do not revere, do not respect. So his instruction to do not give respect to the enemy by allowing them to have your mind and hold up your progress. is, is That is the moral meaning for, for God's people. Do not give more respect to your fear than you do to the God who's telling you not to be afraid. Has there ever been a time in your life Serious or otherwise, that you wanted to do something, really, really wanted to do something, but you backed out because you were just too afraid. I remember one time I wanted to sing karaoke and I didn't. <laughs> True story. I don't know if I would have chosen between Brooks and Dunn and Boys to Men, <laughs> Neon Moon or Motown Philly. Uh, Y'all, I'm just bearing my soul with you this morning. But the truth is, I I remember where I was. I remember there were some in the group that were singing karaoke. I remember that I wanted to. And then my fear said, you're going to be the worst at this. The worst. Like, it's not going to sound like you think you're going to get booed off the stage. It's all going to be wrong. This is so weird. What are you doing? And even as I say that, I'm starting to believe like that may be true. But... I remember going through that to the point where I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. that y'all, y'all can have that. Well, fear steals respect. Write that down. Fear steals respect. I could have had enough self-respect to be like, I don't care what y'all think. We're about to sing boot scootin' boogie. <laughs> Although we've got... Like we've seen either one, either one. I could have had that, that respect enough of myself to be like, I don't, I don't know what the fear is about, but I'm going to get up here and have a good time, if, even if I'm the only one that likes this song. But instead of self-respect, I gave more respect to the dread. I gave more respect to the emotion of something is going to go wrong. And I reverently submitted myself to the emotional notion that something very bad is going to happen. That's what fear does. To keep you in your place or out of place. So, listen, the scripture's instruction of do not fear is telling us to give more respect for God who will guide you and provide for you as he has always done for his people throughout the years than to the emotion that will pursue you and steal from you. Do not fear. The scripture says to the people of God. Here's what Nehemiah also said about what to do with that fear. Nehemiah said, "Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Do not fear, remember the Lord who is great and glorious." And otherwise, in other words, we have to move our mind away from the feeling of fear and toward the truth of God. Move our mind away from the fear of fear, and towards faith in God. And the word remember here actually means call to mind. You are to call to mind the Lord whenever you are experiencing fear that is going to draw you off path towards where he would have you to go. Call to mind who is both great and glorious is what the Bible says. In your version, if you're reading another version, it may say who is both great and terrible. Don't you think about that. Call to mind the Lord who is both great and glorious, who is both great and and terrible. Great means that he is distinguished. One interpretation of this word means that he is older. I love that. Call to mind the Lord who is older, wiser, experienced, resume that trumps all resumes, has always done this. How long? Forever long. That's who God is. He is distinguished as he is older. He is Alpha and Omega. He has always been. Well, now what about the terrible part? Glorious, or that word terrible, y'all seriously, you know what that means in my own interpretation? He's the baddest dude in town. Like that's what the idea is, that there is no one that can compare to his strength. God is almighty, he is divine, he is the one to fear. God is to be feared above fear. For God gives the emotion of fear. And fear in his place is a good thing. Nobody needs to go out here and start playing in the middle of the street. You ought to be afraid of that. Amen? Well, where do you think that comes from? See, God is even the creator of that emotion that would guide us away from things that will harm us. But then there's also that deceiving fear that the enemy would play upon us with. And God has defeated him as well. Therefore, give more fear to God than to the emotion of fear. Don't fear, the Bible says. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. He is older and he is divine. My sister and her family attend here. My sister's name is Corey. Corey's four years older than me. When I was about in the fifth grade, a sixth grader at our school was set on ready to beat me up at a Friday night football game. I was dating the object of his affection. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's all I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... He, uh, he was set up on beating me up after the football game because of that. Well, truth is, it scared me. <laughs> it scared me to the point that I did not want to go to that football game. Fear had now put me in a place where it was changing my routine. It was changing me off of where I wanted to go. But my sister had my back. So I walked into that football game side by side with my older sister, and I never saw that kid. I can call his name right now. If I'm lying, I'm dying. This is real. (laughs) I never saw him. And truth be told, I think I could take him for real. (laughs) But I never saw him. It it was just a threat. Y'all, basically what I was fighting against was fear rather than an actual person. I was fighting against ridicule, but I like to think, even though as I think about this fear, I like to think that I was looking around for him, and I didn't see him, and my sister didn't either. But then she actually caught him out of the corner of her eye, and she pointed at me, looked at him, and went like this, like "I'll kill you," you know what I mean? So the point is, the point is, when my mind shifted, when my mind. When I called to mind away from the emotion to the fact that I was with one who was older and with a greater power, I was able to carry on uninterrupted. Think about that. Remember the Lord who is both great and glorious. Remember David and Goliath and all of David's kin. They were all up in arms about the enemy and they were scared to death. And David called to mind the great and glorious God. And he said, who is this guy that would defy the armies of the living God? You have a hard time whipping a man like that. As he as he factors in the great and glorious God, as he is above his people and working for the purposes of his will. You going to have a hard time with the people that give more reverence to God than they do to the emotion of fear. While everyone is thinking fear, David's thinking faith. Doing something important to you that's important to God, make no mistake about this, it's a spiritual battle. It is a battle. And keep in mind, the Nehemiah, to this point, there's plans and words, but there's not been one throw of a spear. There's not been one thrust of a sword. What they are up against to this point is fear, stress, threats, and frustration. Well, where do those things happen? On the inside. Those are immaterial threats. Those are emotional, stressful threats. And and this is an on the inside battle. And trust can help you win it. Trusting God can help you win it. Trusting God who is great and glorious, who always takes care of His people, that is working for His glory, that just so happens to work for our good by trusting in the Lord with all our heart, And leaning not into our own understanding, but acknowledging him with all things. He will direct us. He will make crooked paths straight. That's what God does. So people, trust in the Lord. And even as I say that, I want you to know at 39 years old, I've been a Christian since I was 11. I know I'm a pastor and all that. I am still learning to trust God. Still learning to walk with God. Even in the things that that you may think are not important to me. Even in the things that some would say, that's not a big issue. I'm still learning to let the Lord have it because I'm his child. And for you, for the people of God in the church of God, there are things that happen that are above my control or influence. And there are times when I walk in this sanctuary when it's dark so that nobody can be in here either. And I sit down and go, Lord, if you don't help us, we're sunk. God, if, if you don't see this through, I don't know what's going to happen. And that is a great place to do ministry. But even as I say that, fear and trembling, because I don't want to do it all the time. Just being straight up. If God would tell you, do not be afraid. If God would tell you, do not be afraid, then there is something that he knows that we don't. If God would tell us, do not be afraid, that means that he will take care of. For those that we influence and we've told before in our life, you don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't stress over that. Don't be afraid. Hold my hand. That's the thing that God is doing here. He's got it, can see it, and will see us through it according to His will and purposes. You see, as we talk about the will of God, it was the will of God to protect. Listen to this. It was the will of God to protect and see through the people of God. So that down the line, the Son of God will reveal the glory of God. One more time. It was the will of God to protect and see through the people of God so that down the line, the Son of God will reveal the glory of God. And that's why those folks couldn't get to Nehemiah. Because it was the will of God. And so he frustrated their plans, the Bible says. Oftentimes, even as a side note, the greatest enemy in opposition to the will of God is not an outside threat, it's us. It's us. It's the people beginning to complain. And, and I mean here, not, I don't have a specific example of you. I mean here, that's what it says. It was the people of God that, that were beginning to fear and now all the plans that God had made are being frustrated. And once again, there's not been a spear thrown. It's the people of God because they're giving more respect to fear than they are to Almighty God. When you know you are in the will of God, You can exhibit faith over fear. And you can carry on the good work because what God began in you, the Bible says, will continue until it is finally finished until the day when Christ Jesus returns. That is what the Scripture says. This is the sovereignty of God. It is His will for His people to reflect His glory on this earth while trusting that He will restore, support, and strengthen them forever. If you are afraid, listen to this, If you are afraid, give less respect to that feeling of fear and more reverence to God, more reverence to faith in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ, the one who defeated death, y'all. This is the one that same one is telling us not to fear. He is older. He is more fierce. He has a track record of always being faithful to his people. Now, While we said do not fear and have spent time on that, while God is sovereign and will keep his way and his will, we cannot forget our responsibility to fight. This is what the Bible says. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah is is telling the people, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Call to mind the great and the glorious God. And fight, fight for your brothers, fight for your daughters, your sons, your wives, your homes. You see, he was calling a a faith focus, but rather than a fear focus to the point of confidence when it came time to actually stand their ground. Have faith, trust in God, don't be afraid. And when those jokers come to these walls, let them have it. And that's really what, what he's saying. Fight to uphold the will of God to protect the way of God for the people that are will influence for generations to come. I read this, this this week. In the Christian's covering, there is no mention of armor for the back, though there is for the chest, because a Christian soldier should never flee. Woo! That's good. So trust the Lord and defend His work when it comes time. And be motivated. Listen to this. I love the way He, he says to fight it is to be motivated by thinking of others. Why should we fight? Why should we defend what God is doing in us? Why should we fight to carry out a personal vision that God has for us? Why should we fight for a vision that God has for our church? Be motivated by thinking of who will be influenced by that, either within the circle of faith or outside the circle that can be reached. Our desire and effort to be faithful to the Lord is often better motivated when we are thinking Of who our influence or who our faithfulness will influence. Here's what I mean. Those who are waiting. If you are waiting in here today. Whatever it is that you're waiting on. If you are waiting, don't give in. So that others can see your faithful example of not giving in but waiting on God. For those who are suffering. If you are suffering today, fight through so that others may see your faithfulness. So that others may see how you fight, how you suffer, and suffer well for God's glory. Trusting in Him instead of giving in. Young men and young women, fight for your purity. So that others can see that sex isn't God. Daddies, don't give in so your sons will see your example. Mamas, don't give in so your daughters will see your example. Families, fight for your homes to be a culture of Christ. So that it will prevail, that light will shine through your neighborhood. Don't get in. You see, just as the nation of Israel had a bigger picture, the nation of Israel had a bigger picture. It wasn't just the safety of the people, but the will of God. It wasn't just about them living and making it through and enjoying life. It was about God's will on earth. You don't think that if they if they did fight, you don't think there will be casualties? There's some things worth fighting for, amen. This is the will of God. They were fighting to fulfill God's promises to the world. Now listen to this part. We are fighting to fulfill the will of God in the church. That's what we're doing. Here there and everywhere with the gospel, to go and make disciples, to baptize people in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey so that this is a cyclical thing. So that we continue to work for the glory of God by sharing the good news of God for the people of God. Our fight matters to work together for his glory. Now, this is the last couple of verses. Look at chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials of the people. The work is very spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, and then our God will fight for us. Before we get to God fighting for us, sometimes in the church you have the luxury of exhibiting your gift and using your gift, and sometimes there's a trumpet call for where we need y'all. You hear me? Sometimes we're not asking you if you'd like to. We're telling you there's a need. And what I mean by that is there was a time where Nehemiah is building up the wall with his folks. And if he thought that it was going to come from over here, then we need everybody to go over there. But if we have people over here that are going, well, that's not really my gifting. Well, bless your heart, man. But that wall right there is going to fall down if you don't get your tail over there. (laughs) I want you to just think about that. I'm not going to preach anymore on that. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes it's time to sound the alarm, and we need the people of God to respond because we're all in it together. All right. There's this instruction at the end, though, that says, then our God will fight for us. Now, now before this, we talked about us fighting, us defending the faith. And I love this because it says that God will fight for us. That's what it says. He will fight for the people of God. Like what the Lord wants to accomplish through his people, he will fight for it himself. God himself will defend it. And this, y'all, is repeated in Scripture. What's repeated is important. In Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, God fought for his people, for his will. I read of a missionary in East Asia, a young lady. She began a, a conversation with a group of young girls. And she began to build a relationship, and she asked them if she could meet them again and teach them English. And they all agreed to meet the following week. Well, the next week came, and the girls did not show up, but security did. And then later, police officials came to her apartment, and they asked for her identification. And she testified to the amazing peace that she had throughout the questioning, as it didn't stop. And now neighbors were being involved in the ridicule and berating. And a few days later, she was actually called to the police station where she sat in front of one of the men who questioned her. She testified that the policeman who sat her down politely helped her complete some forms and then said, When we first met, I sensed you had a good heart. He told her to let him know if any of the other neighbors gave her any more problems. And before she left there, he asked her to teach his daughter English. God fought for her. Now, it doesn't always turn out like this in every single situation. There are martyrs, even today, as there were in Scripture. But the Bible says he makes everything work out according to his plan, not according to our comfort. Not according to our will, but according to His plan. And sharing the gospel is definitely in His plan. Sending missionaries to share the gospel, definitely in His plan. Building a church that looks like heaven, definitely in His plan. Works that are started that are new that people will will be reached in a way that we would not reach them otherwise, definitely in His plan. Like this is a thing that that God will protect a lot of these things we've always done in painting churches and missions and making disciples. the reason why Lindsey Lane's still here today is because God takes care of his church, and this is why it's often called the lord's Battle, because when the Christian is experiencing spiritual warfare, it's always associated with putting to an end something the Christian is accomplishing for the biblical will of God. So that which is interfering in the work of God has now become the Lord's battle. Whatever it is that you're getting after it with, for the glory of God and the good of man, you can expect that spiritual warfare, but you can just as well expect that God will fight for you. This is the principle of the truth of the Bible. God said in Genesis 12, 13, it was brought to my attention this week, that in the very beginning, at the launch point of blessing to the people of God, he said, I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you because my will is going forward. God, for the great plan of redemption for those who will believe will fight for his people because it was through a people that he would introduce redemption to the world. And it is through a people that he will continue a message of redemption to the world. And we're part of that second group. Now, God fighting for us does not mean that we can forego our responsibility to defend and to trust. And it also doesn't mean that the Christian will not suffer It does not mean that we will not experience setbacks. But what it does mean, as one author puts it, we will experience his goodness, comfort, and security as we face what's bad with the one who is fully good. In Nehemiah, the Lord said, the Lord saw to it that information of a threat came to Nehemiah from the people of God. And the leader adjusted the defense and it frustrated the plans of the enemy. Look right there in verse 15 of chapter 4. Verse 15 says, "When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to work on the wall." So as God frustrated their plans, they went back to building the wall. And then if you look in chapter 6, verse 15, the Bible says, "So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. 52 days. All the fear, all the pressure, all the stress, all the threats, all the frustration, 52 days later, the wall was built. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. And they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. You see how God flips that? We're over here going, man, I don't know if I can. And then God frustrates the plans of those who oppose The people of God continue to work. And now who's scared? Now who's afraid? Because God was fighting for his people. Listen carefully to this. This is the last thing, y'all, I promise. I got like two paragraphs and I'm done. Sometimes the Lord, please listen to this. Please, please, please listen to this. Sometimes the Lord will part the sea and stop the enemy. As it was with Moses and the Israelites. And sometimes he will supply. Support and strength to endure. As he did with the apostle Paul. And other times he will just welcome you on into heaven. And receive your spirit. As he did with Stephen. But he will always be with us. He will always. Always be with us. So we can trust him. Even into eternity. Psalm twenty. 7 says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let me close by saying this. That's the second time I close. Let me close by saying this. The greatest battle that we fight against is sin. That is the, the greatest thing that we're up against. The sin of others, the sin of ourselves, our nature. Don't leave yet. We ain't done yet. It's a sin that we, we all battle against. That's the greatest opposition because that sin separates us from God. Well, what has God done? He has not only fought the battle or fought the battle, but He won it. God sent His Son, Jesus, to live perfectly before us to show us how to live, to die sacrificially in our place, a death that we could not do for ourselves. And He rose again to give us eternal life. God has not simply fought with sin He beat it down through Jesus so that we could experience that victory in Jesus. Therefore, when God, who has defeated death, has called us to a work in this life, let us not be afraid, but let us trust in our glorious, divine, older, awesome God. And if God has fought and won against sin and death, His plan for others to hear this good news that I just shared with you, it will not be stopped. The gates of hell won't prevail against it from what I read. Amen? Church be the church. Church be the church. We talked about fear, faith, and fighting. I want to invite you to this altar to talk to the Lord. If it's the first time in a long time, I want you to come to this altar to pray for your church want you to consider right where you are calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved as your battle with sin. You've just now realized that it's been fought by God and you can give it up because you'll never have enough works to measure up to a victory. And I would ask you to consider today the reason why you're here. Why are you here? And if you are here today and you thought to yourself, I want what y'all what y'all have. Then it's as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But it's also as serious as turning from sin and turning to God. But I'm going to tell you, if something's working in your heart right now, the Spirit of God is already working to turn you. So call on the Lord. Call on the Lord to be saved. Walk down this aisle. Tell us those five words. I need to be saved. If you still got questions? We can help you answer them. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much, oh God, for your word that reminds us. Or where we are to put our trust over our emotions. And even as we leave here today, oh God, I know there are things coming up this week. There are things that are before us this very day, maybe even this moment that we are scared of. So Lord, I pray that we would be a part of your will, that we would be saved, that we would be working on the things that you would have us to be working on, Lord, so that we will experience a faithful victory as we go through this life Lord we know that we're not promised comfort we know that we are not promised the security we have those things in you and I mean physically God I know there are things that we're thinking about what will we give up if we go through with this Lord I know that your will is what the people of God want so God would you work on our hearts now and Lord may we not leave until we have responded to you I pray, oh God, that you would stir the hearts of our people. Lord, that when we need to fight, we would fight. That when we need to trust, we would trust. And God, that you would fight for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.